0: What is up y'all, it's your boy, it's your boy, it's your boy Shave boy, boy. the mohawk, take the Jordan tattoo off your cap and play some ball. He's the best to ever do it, it's that simple. Then go up there with the 12th man, the 13th man, the 15th, you can bring your grandmama's choir on there. Nah, but for real, you gon' have to see me. Everybody wanna be famous, but nobody wanna put the work in. It. Surf, 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 surf surf surfy. surf 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 what is up y'all welcome to the quentin mayo podcast i'm your host quentin mayo at toqm underscore on twitter and on instagram thank you for joining me on another episode of this podcast jam-packed show today but before we get started i want you guys to do one thing for me if you're watching on youtube make you make sure you subscribe leave a like and share with your friends your dc family whoever you think would be interested in this type of content the goal is to get it out there so that we can all have a bigger conversation about what's going on within the realms of the washington wizards and that conversation can stem into other things like lifelong relationships look at me being deep off the beginning of this podcast so make sure you like this on uh youtube make sure you subscribe and if you're listening on apple Podcasts, make sure you subscribe on apple Podcasts and leave a comment and a five star rating you can just say whatever you want to say No holds barred. I'm not going to have any tough feelings. If you're critical of me, I can take the criticism. Just leave some feedback. And if you're listening on Spotify or any other platform, I know you can follow now on Spotify Podcasts and things of that nature. So make sure you follow. Just share this podcast and let me know how you feel on Twitter. Like I said, at TOQM underscore. Now, every podcast I do, starting last episode, I always hit you with the on this date. In NBA history. Okay. Now, today is August 19th, 2019. Unfortunately, there are no prominent developments or stories or anything that's happened on this date in NBA history. However, what we will do on this podcast, we will give you yesterday and tomorrow. So, whenever you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, let's say August 21st or August 20th, you know, you're welcome. But, you know, I'm just going to still try to fit a little a little something in there to help you guys out to, to keep to my word. And um, let's go ahead and get into it. So on August 18th, 1992, Boston Celtics for Larry Bird announced his retirement from the NBA after 13 seasons. Now, everybody knows Larry Legend. OK, this guy is one of the one of the pillars of the basketball game. OK. Larry Legend retired 13 seasons in the NBA. After he retired, he joined the Celtics uh, management as a special assistance, assistant to Celtics senior executive VP. And that was August 18, 1992. In 1992, I was negative five. Seven, yeah, I was negative five. I was born in 97. So I was negative five when Larry Bird retired from the NBA. Now on August 21st is not, I don't have anything for the 20th either. I'm sorry, guys. August 21st, 1936, Wilt Chamberlain was born in Philadelphia. So that is today on this date in the NBA. Stuck to my word. I got you that. And hopefully the next time we do a podcast, we'll have something that happens on that specific day. So if you've read the title of the podcast or the video, you know exactly what I'm going to talk about today. Now, I could talk about Antoine Jameson and Karan Butler, but you've read all that already. I'm, 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 I'm just being honest. You've read that already. If you follow the Wizards Talk podcast with my guy Chris Miller and Chase Hughes at NBC Sports Washington, my guys, you've heard all this. If you follow Candace Buckner, if you follow anybody that's in the Wizards realm of media, you know all of these things. And you're not coming to Quentin Mayo for this breaking news because, I mean, why would I don't go to me for this breaking news? I am here to deliver other content about the Wizards that, you know, you might not be thinking of. I'm trying to change the lane a little bit. We're going to curve around. We're going to do some other things, but you're not rushing to me to get my latest take on Antoine Jameson and Karan Butler, even though I will probably still do something or speak about it a little bit in this podcast. That's not what you're here for. The title of this podcast, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to predict. The top five storylines for the Washington Wizards in the 2019-2020 NBA season. Now, i was sitting and I was thinking like, wow, what is going to happen for this Wizards team? What is going to be the storyline? What is going to be the tale of the tape in 365 days from now? When we're looking back on this season like, wow, last year was crazy or last year was disappointing or last year was surprising or exciting what are going to be the storylines that surround this Wizards team during the 2019-2020 NBA season? So, I'm going to be, give you guys my five storylines, and then I'm going to break each one down. I think this will be something pretty cool. I hope you guys enjoy this. I put a lot of thought into this and trying to be realistic of what's going to happen with this team. What is, what's going to be on the on ESPN? What is what is Stephen A. going to be yelling about when he talks about the Wizards? Is it going to be John Wall? Probably so. But what what is what is going to be the thing that people talk about? That's what we're going to get into. So, here are my five storylines for the Wizards this season. Number one, the Bradley Bill trade rumors. Bradley Bill trade rumors. He's one of the best shooting guards in the game. The Wizards look like they're probably going to be a losing team this year. Wizards were a losing team last year. This offseason has been flooded with trade rumors. That's not going to stop, especially with Brad in his second to last season um, under contract with the Wizards. So, that's my number one storyline for the Wizards this, uh, this season. Bradley Bill trade rumors. Number two. Isaiah Thomas's performance. Now, it has not played a healthy season in about three or four years. It's been it's been a while. It's been quite some time. Now, the last time he was fully healthy, guy was an MVP candidate, MVP caliber player. What is it going to look like this year for the Washington Wizards? Storyline number three: Rui Hachimura's development. Now, Rui is a guy. Got a lot of people on both sides of the fence, me included. I thought the Wizards should have drafted Cam Reddish. They went to Rui Hachimura for multitude of reasons. No injury history. Um, The guy, he looks like he can play maybe a lot of the positions. He's a, a really tall guy, a lot of potential, hasn't played a lot of basketball, so he has a lot more growing to do in terms of his development as a basketball player. I like him. So so far, we've seen what he's doing overseas. How is he going to develop as a player, and especially a player in this system? Because this is this was a pick that was really widely argued throughout the DC family Twitter and Instagram and social media and just the bars, the barbershops. Moore We're going to talk about his development. I think that's going to be one of the top three storylines. Number four, to tank or not to tank. It's going to be a rough season, I believe, for the Wizards. Now, they could surprise some people. What if they do surprise some people? What if they're around 500? What if they're not a losing team? Like, Vegas has them at 27 and a half, over, under. What if, they, what if they win 30, 40 games? Or what if they just lose every game? Or they're really, really bad. To tank or not to tank? Because you got some guys coming up in this next draft, like Cole Anthony. mellow Ball. Ball Brothers to D.C. The Ball to D.C. Cole Anthony. I know Chris Miller loves him to tank or not to tank. And number 5, my fifth storyline of the Wizards 2019 and 2020 NBA season is Scott Brooks on the hot seat. Scott Brooks on the hot seat. I think that's pretty self-explanatory right there. He's got 2 years left on his deal. Will Scott Brooks be the coach of this team next year? We will see. And then my runner up was going to be John Wall's health if he's going to return and I I ended up just deleting that off of the list because I'm fairly certain John is out for the entire season and there's also no reason to come back this year especially under these circumstances that we think will be the circumstances when he is ready to return so I took that off the list and we'll talk about that a little bit in this podcast as well but that was like my my 5A my 6 my runner-up so those are the five storylines let's go ahead and dive right into it now number one the Bradley Bill trade rooms as his team struggles through the season no sign of John Wall in sight you better believe that Bradley Beal will be in the midst of just about every trade scenario this season. Now, Bill was incredible last year. He was incredible yet last year. He set to make $55 million in the remainder of his Wizards contract. <sighs> the guy's good. Could have been all NBA last year. Kemba ended up getting his spot. I mean, it's... It's, it's up in the air because he had an All-NBA season. He did some things last year that many players in the NBA history have not done. Bill did that last year. And he did not get an all, All-NBA. And it's hard for a team that wins or loses that many games to make All-NBA. And then the market of D.C. is such a small market. You kind of get lost in, in the sauce. So Bill did not get an All-NBA, not last year, but he was the first one out. He had the most votes for any player that did not make the All-NBA team last year. So you better believe... This guy, Bradley Beal, who's probably going to be doing even more than he did last year. His numbers have the potential to go up from what he did last year. Best believe Beal will be in the conversation of all these trade rumors, just as he was last offseason and last year as well. Now, let's make one thing clear as we're talking about Beal and trade in the same sentence. I'm going to make this clear. You can quote me. You can put me on Reddit. I love it. Hey, shout out to the Reddit uh, listenership and viewership. Shout out to my guys on Reddit. I love Reddit now. Let me make one thing clear. You can quote me on this. Bradley Beal wants to run it back one more time. Healthy with John Wall. I will say it again. Bradley Beal wants to run it back one more time with a healthy John Wall. Yes. Yes. I said he's he's expressed that sentiment to the front office and he's expressed it to one of my sources. Now, the guy who gave me this information, I the utmost, the utmost respect for him. Has no reason to lie to me. This guy's been doing it for a very, very long time. Bradley Bill wants to run it back one more time. Wall and Bill have expressed that to Tommy Shepard. Ted Leonsis, it's a thing. It's a thing. So when people think, oh, Bradley Bill's going to get traded, they're going to get, I'm telling you right now, what Bill wants, Bradley Bill wants to run it back one more time. When healthy, Bill will not be traded this season. Period. As of right now, he will not be traded this season. Period. Period. I'm telling you that right now. His contract is said to make $55 million in the remainder of his deal. Now, the Wizards in the 2020, the 2021 offseason have a little more flexibility. Now, you have the contract like Yamahimi, who's officially off the books. I mean, you've been trying to trade that, that number away for a long time, and you just couldn't get it off the books. Well, here we are. 2020, 2021, Yamahimi is no longer under contract. Davis Times makes $7 mil. He will not be under contract. Uh, CJ Miles $8.7 mil. He will not be under contract. So at this point next year, the Wizards will have a little more cap flexibility than they had this year, this offseason, which was not a lot by any means. Now, I'm not saying they're going to have 40 50 $60, 70000000 million to spend. No, it's not going to be something crazy, but they're going to have more cap space this year to get a veteran guy, to get some pieces, to get a certified piece, not any top-tier superstar piece unless they do a lot more finagling than they are doing right now, but they will have some cap flexibility next year to add a third piece to that dynamic duo of Wall and Bill when healthy. So they can make something shape for us a solid third piece and make a run in the East. Now, when we're looking at the East now, what is the East gonna look like next year? I mean, Kevin Durant, probably gonna be healthy next year. Comes back and he joins Brooklyn, who I think is gonna be a good team with Kevin Durant. Still still gonna be something to be said about Kyrie leading this team um, by himself until Katie's return. But Brooklyn will be a team. To be considered, that's going to be a a valuable or a um what's the word I'm looking for? I can't find the word, but they will be a team to make a run in the East. Now you got Brooklyn, you got Milwaukee, you got the Sixers. Who else? Like maybe Indiana, the Indiana Pacers? What's that? Four? After that, what who else? The Raptors? The Raptors lost Kawhi Leonard. And you know I'm not a believer in Kyle Lowry. Without them, it's just Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry. I don't necessarily believe in that Raptors team. I think their window is done. So as far as them being a potential Eastern Conference caliber team, I don't know. I'm talking about Eastern Conference champions. And also when somebody said to me, well, what about the coaching? What about Nick Nurse? He's a great coach. Okay, Nick Nurse can be a good coach. He can be a great coach. But when you have a guy and a talent, generational talent in Kawhi Leonard, it is easy to mask a lot of your flaws now w- what can be said is how good are you as a coach when you don't have those pieces now we can sit here and debate all day about well you know back in the day um pat riley and and all these coaches they had this that and the third they had mike jordan well pat riley you know what i'm saying but all these different coaches you got um steve kerr had kd had steph he had okay i feel you but When these players, Phil Jackson, I said Pat Riley, but when these players go elsewhere or injured, how good is a team with just that coaching to kind of uplift that lack of talent per se? So I don't think Nick Nurse is the best coach. This is Nick Nurse who, when Kawhi Leonard was literally flaming, I think he won like a personal 8-0 run in the finals. Nick Nurse was like, timeout, let's run pick and roll. With Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol. While Kawhi Leonard was hot. Questionable decision. I think they went 1-3-1. They had boxing one. They were running these crazy defenses. And Kawhi was like, yo, I don't even know why we're doing this. But, you know, coach said it. But, like, bro, I ain't played that defense since since middle school. He's made some questionable decisions at the, coach, at the helm of the coaching staff. Now, I love Dwayne Casey. Now, Dwayne Casey was my guy. Dwayne is the one who brought Nick Nurse in. And I don't know how... you scapegoat Dwayne Casey in the coach of the year season and bring in Nick Nurse. But, you know, to each his own. Everything happens for a reason. But I would also debate with anybody that if Dwayne Casey was still the coach of the Raptors and had Kawhi Leonard instead of DeMar DeRozan, we'd be praising Dwayne Casey all over again as well. So don't overlook the fact that a star can make coaching look way better than it is. So in a nutshell, I don't believe in the Toronto Raptors. I just went on a long tangent for no reason about the Raptors. But long story short, I'm saying you got Milwaukee is going to be good for a long time. You got Brooklyn, who's probably going to merge with KD and Kyrie, you'd imagine. You have the Sixers, who are always in the thick of things. And then you have pretty much nothing else in the Eastern Conference. Now, we've seen what Wall and Bill can do when healthy. So I, I would I would assume Wall and Bill, with healthy at this point, with the, with the right pieces around them, can be a top five team in the Eastern Conference. I would assume. Just off of what I see, because you got the Pacers, who you got Victor Oladipo, he's coming off an injury. They don't really have much on the paper. They're a good team, they're a well coached team, but they're not an upper echelon type of team. The Wizards can still make the postseason with the healthy Wall and Beal, and they can still be a top five team in the East with the healthy Wall and Beal. So, you know, when this team was at its best, the dynamic of that team was Wall and Beal. You know, they're gonna do their thing at the one and two position. You got guys like Nene, Gortat, set screens, crash the boards, they're physical. They can knock down that mid-range jumper when need be, but they can run to the rim, they can finish at the rim. Um, they're gonna eat the glass, they're gonna get the rebound, they're gonna push the ball up the floor in terms of you know outlet passes or getting it to the guy who needs it and let Wall and Bill do their thing. Then the other di- other aspect of that dynamic is you got Trevor Reza in the corner knocking down threes. You got Otto Porter in the corner knocking down threes. You got shooters to the right and the left of me, you got big men down low that can eat the glass and get you rebounds and play some defense. Then you got Wall and Bill going ham on your defense from the perimeter and from the in-between game. So that's when they work best. So look for them in 2020-2021 offseason to pick up some guys that fit the mold of what they do best. What has worked for them? now they're 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 worse when you sign a whole bunch of guys to win your deals guys that don't have a lot of stock invested in this season um in this franchise past this one season um just some like stop gaps you don't they they they're not successful they've tried that not successful when they do that because it's a lot of selfishness that comes into that the team doesn't have any any cohesion there it's, it's it's a bad it's a bad deal so look for this team next year to build through free agency they're gonna have a little more wiggle room in the cap um, and they're not, they're not letting Bill, they're not letting Bill leave. Now, just look at, the, just look at Bill. Bill's minutes also will be a huge storyline. So we're talking about the storyline, the trade rooms will be a huge storyline, but Bill's minutes also will be a huge storyline this year. Bill finished last season tied for, tied for first in minutes per game with Paul George. He played 36.9 minutes per game. That cannot happen this year. Now, other the top 10 players in minutes per game last year, Bradley Beal and Kimball Walker were the only two to play all 82 games on losing teams. Let me repeat that. Out of the top 10 players in minutes per game last season, Bradley Beal and Kimball Walker were the only two players to play all 82 games. Incredible. Beal was also the only player to play over 36 minutes last year, but his team didn't you know, make it to the postseason. They are absolutely... Absolutely no reason why Bradley bill should play anything close to that minutes workload this year. There's no reason why he should do that, especially if he desires to run it back in the following season with a healthy John Wall. There's no reason to put that tread on the t- or wear that tread down on those tires. There's just no reason to do that. It's no reason to do that now. The team has to approach him with, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but load management. Bill is, he's never going to come up to Coach Brooks, to Ted, to Tommy, be like, look, I'm tired, boss. Sit me now. Please, big fella. I'm dying, big fella. Bill would never do that. He's such a competitor. It's the same way Wall was playing through, playing through these injuries, playing through bone spurs, playing through sprains, ankles, knees, pains, all these things. These two players, Beale and Walt, are a different breed. There's not many players out here that are willing to risk their future to play this game right now. These two guys just love the game so much that they have to be pride off the hardwood. But you're gonna have to pry Bradley Beal off the hardwood this year. You're gonna have to. Because there's no reason why he plays even 30 minutes a game this year. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just just, just look at the look at the look at, at projected starting lineup. Look at the projected start lineup. What is it? Isch Smith? Troy Brown? CJ Miles? I mean, whatever you wanted the three. Davis Burton's, Rui Hachimura, Thomas Bryant? Really? It's no reason why. It's absolutely no reason why Bill should be playing that minute's workload. This season. So the team has to approach and say, look, Bill, we are looking past this season. And I know Tommy will do this. Because Tommy's a straight, I love what Tommy Shepard is doing. I love his swag. I love his upfront mentality. I love how he's everything he does is calculated. And he's gonna tell you exactly why he did it. I love that about Tommy Shepard. But he gotta say, look, you wanna run it back, we wanna run it back. We have made it known to you and the public that you are our future. You gotta say, look, we're not letting you play these myths. Not letting you play these minutes. I don't want to see him in consecutive back to backs. I don't even, you know, honestly, I don't even want to see Bill play this year. (laughs) Let's be, I don't want to see anyone consecutive back to backs. I want to see him sit down. Bill, don't even come to practice. Sit your ham pot down. Sit down. Don't play because we got something bigger we got to do next year. It's bigger than this year. Who knows what this team's going to look like next year? It is bigger than this season. Not making a run for the finals. This team is not favored to go to the Eastern Conference. Not favored to make the playoffs. Not favored to win 30 games. Sit down. Sit down. And I know some people say, oh, you can't tell a baller to sit down. Blaze love the ball. I understand that. I, I get both sides. I played football, too. I played football. You know what I'm saying? I know what it's like. I know what it's like. You, If I'm hurt, I got it. F- broken finger snap back in. Let's go. I got to get back there. Third down. Let's get back. Let's go. Let's go. But it's bigger than that sometimes. It's bigger than that. And when you're a player, I know as a player, coach tell me, look, we got, we need you for next week. We need you for the playoffs. I'm like, coach, I'm going to make it there. I want to play right now. But you got to be smart. It's, it's, you got to be smart. Things can happen. You got to tell that boy, sit down. You got to tell him to sit down. And I know he's not going to sit out the entire season or anything like that. I'm just, you know, joking and we're laughing and having a little fun time here. But he has to be on a, a minutes of restriction load management, whatever you want to call it, he's got to be watched closely and monitored closely. Because if it's up to Bradley Bill, he's going to play all 82 and play 37 minutes again, maybe 40. He's going to be out there. So you got to tell him to sit down. Now, let's go to storyline number two. Did I go 22 minutes on Bradley Bill? It's going to be a long podcast, buddy. Let's go to storyline number two, Isaiah Thomas's performance this year. Now, the biggest sign of the Wizards offseason had to be Isaiah Thomas. excuse me. Um, IT was brought in as a stopgap. I mean, you got John Wall. He's out for the season, most likely missed miss the entire season. No need for him to come back. Then you got Ish Smith. But Isaiah Thomas and Ish Smith, those are your stopgaps at the point guard position. That's what Isaiah Thomas was brought in to do. Now, although IT has only started 15 games since 2017, the Wizards fans are very optimistic that he can return to a starter quality performance. And you can also argue that I'd say Thomas also thinks the same thing. This is a guy that's used to used to averaging, I mean his MVP season he averaged what 29, 28.9, 29 points per game. This guy is different. This guy's different. Hold on, let me turn my camera off really quick. I'm sorry, guys. But this guy's different. So what is what does he look like after recovering from that hip? And what, when he averaged 28.9, what was that? 2016? 2015, 2016? I think it was 2016. I think he actually, 2015 and 2016, he averaged consecutive like 25 plus points per game. MVP calendar season, 28.9 points. This guy was really good. It's one of the best. Now, here's the thing about Isaiah Thomas. Most people believe he should start and most people also believe that he will start this year, but um, I don't think he's going to nod game one. I mean, it's just, let's just be realistic here. Now, yes, the Wizards do need scoring. It's not a lot of scoring on that that top five, the starting five, especially if you're going if you're going to go Ish Smith, Troy Brown because of CJ Miles' foot injury, um, Beal, um, Davis Bertans, or Bree Hachimor and Thomas Bryant. It's not a lot of scoring there. It's also not a lot of defense. So it's not a lot of anything on this team right now um however i do believe that you know he's still he's a guy who only played what 15 games last year or 15 games he's played 15 games since 2017. started 15 games in 2017. he has to get his feel back he has to get a feel back i mean i know he's playing at his own tournament he's playing at the crossover he's playing at the uh, rico hines runs he's doing all these things he's got to still get his feel back for nba basketball an 82 game slate of games every night every other night back to backs travel and he's a pro's pro i know he mentally he can deal with the the the, the rush that goes into that the demand that that takes for him to perform at a high level yeah i know he can do that mentally but physically i would have to see him physically be able to handle that first before you throw him back into a starting line now i do believe by the all-star break he will probably have the starting knot just because i think at their core isaiah thomas is a better player than ish smith um even if Isaiah Thomas is eighty percent himself, I still think he's a better player than Ish Smith. But I mean, that's not to not Ish Smith. I just this is a guy who was an MVP talent a few years ago. So um, not trying to knock Ish Smith in any manner, but Ish Smith also has just never been able to score like Isaiah Thomas has been able to. And we have a lineup that consists of you know, Beal and these guys. Like, Beal's the best scorer by far in the starting lineup, but where else are you going to get it from? I mean, Rui, you can't really expect if Rui is the starter, which I think Davis will get the nod, but Rui is definitely trying to to push my um, stance on that with his performance in FIBA right now. But if you're looking at that starting line, Rui, Rui's not going to be expected to score or to perform or anything like that up front. That's part of the reason why they brought in Davis' house to kind of alleviate that, that pressure on Rui as soon as he's drafted. Now also Davis Bertans, he wasn't a starter. He's an off the bench guy. These are bench guys that are getting the starting out now. Now Thomas Bryant's probably the second best scorer on the team. He had the best um, field goal percentage within the two point range last year, and he's improving. He's going to work to improve his scoring, but he's going to get keyed on a little harder this year too because he, I mean, he just got paid and he was really good for this team last year. So when you're looking at that, Troy Brown's not a score. I mean, he's a point guard in a wings body. we're looking at this top to bottom this is not a lot of score and then cj miles if you're gonna go cj miles as a starter cj miles is dealing with a foot injury a foot injury that sidelined him last year for the majority of the season and his numbers have taken a substantial hit in terms of his point production ever since uh toronto you could also argue his stats have taken a hit ever since he left indiana so that's why you know by all-star break if you want to score the ball you got to put a score in the game. Yeah, I don't care how tall he is. So I think by all-star break, Isaiah Thomas will definitely get that nod um, at the starting point guard position. But what if he doesn't produce anywhere close to an all-star or the starter quality that he's used to? What if he's just done? Um, To be frank, what if he's done? What if Isaiah Thomas does not have it anymore? What if the injury was just too much? It set him back too far for him to come back in the NBA and perform at a hot level. And then also, what does done look like for Isaiah Thomas? Because if you if you're saying, okay, well, IT only averaged this year, let's say he averages 15 points, is that done? Is that done? If he averages 11 points, is that done? I mean, in terms of a guy that's used to averaging 20 plus, what do Wizards fans consider done? And what are Wizards fans actually looking for from Isaiah Thomas? This is a guy that he just hasn't played much basketball recently. So we'll see, we'll see. I think that's something to definitely watch for, especially what if he comes out here and he balls out? I mean, he is lights out, lights out. What if he is anything close to the 2016 season? What if the BOIT duo is dynamic? What if it works so well and they start winning games they're not supposed to be winning? What happens then? Does that then force John Wall's hand to be like, whoa, buddy, hold on now. Hold on. I'm healthy enough. I'm back. What if this team starts winning? What if IT start performing at a high enough level to where people are like, well, maybe they don't need John Wall. Should they trade John Wall? You know what I'm saying? Because anything can happen. Now, I don't think this is a realistic um, situation by any means. But what if he does come back and average 22, 20? What if him and Bill are one of the highest-scoring backcourts in the league? Where they both average a 20-piece? It's things like that that could run this Wizards season in terms of the storylines because then, like, you know John Wall is a competitor. and He's not going to let IT just come in here and take his shine, which I think is not – let me let me keep saying this. I don't think this is possible, but that these are things that make you say, hmm, that you listen or look for, that you think about, like, hmm. What if IT does come back and balls out? You paid him a million dollars. <laughs> a million dollars on a one-year deal. I don't know. Who knows what John Wall's gonna be when he comes back? John Wall can never really shoot. IT can shoot. I mean they're both scores, but IT's what if he just, what if he's just so impressive? And then you know, it says you know I don't mind coming in, you know, taking the back seat to Wall when he comes back or being a backup at the point guard. But what else is he supposed to say? What else is he supposed to say? Honestly, what else is he supposed to say? Would it fast forward next offseason? He's like, look, I still want to be the star. We did well last year. Bill loves me. I love Bill. You know? Who knows? And this is all. This is kind of funny to just think about. He's like, I do, I'll start point guard for you for twelve. 12 you mean 12 for two two for 12. Something something to think about but I don't think it's gonna happen it could but what does IT season look like this year for the Wizards that is the ultimate storyline that we're gonna go with you could this is spinning in many different ways but we don't have all day so let's hop into the third storyline I have here Rui Hachimura's development now the drafting of Rory is probably the second biggest off-season storyline, only second to um, Tommy Shepard and this whole GM debacle slash good decision slash. Uh, it's probably second to that because these are the two biggest offseason storylines, especially because a lot of people liked Cam. And I mean, a lot of people. And when Cam was right there, the wizard said, we'll, we'll take the guy that, according to sources, they never worked out. Never talked to. We was surprised he got drafted by them. He said, I didn't even talk to them. I didn't know they wanted me. And then the woods say, no, no, no. We've been watching Ru for three years. We were watching him before he even came over overseas. We've been watching him. So how does he develop this year? Now, the thing is, Woods' fans will always keep a close eye on Cam Reddish. I know I will. Because you're like, look, this is a guy in Cam Reddish who may not have the the best rap at uh rap in terms of his uh his want-to or his attitude, he's just a nonchalant guy that plays basketball well. And nonchalant scares a lot of fans, a lot of coaches, because when you're nonchalant, people feel like you don't care. Look at Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard was nonchalant, he's nonchalant. He was at he was with the Spurs, one of the most prestigious organizations in NBA history with one of the best coaches in NBA history. And he's like, nah, I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling that. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm just not going to play. I'm nonchalant. And people slandered his name. This is you got to remember Kawhi Leonard at full strength was one of the best players in the league. I'm talking it was LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. And if you forgot, go back and look it up. It's not an opinion. This is fact. There, We have there were shows at this time where people were saying, is Kawhi Leonard better than LeBron James? now i never felt that way but there were arguments there were arguments and what happened the little dispute he had with the spurs and the training staff he was nonchalant he was cool calm and collected said i'm I'm gone they traded him to the the raptors people slandered his name through his name he turned around and took the raptors to a championship ring title first year the best rental in the history of rentals Enterprise has nothing on what Kawhi Leonard did last year. So, translating that to Cam Reddish, he's nonchalant. This is a guy that we all feel, though, as the—we all feel as though Cam Reddish has the ceiling of an NBA All-Star. And he's playing in a system where you had one, two, three in Duke. You had Zion, you had R.J. Barrett, you had Cam Reddish. The three best players in the nation all decided to take their talents to the Blue Devils. It's only one basketball— it's kind of hard to get off. Kind of hard to get in the rhythm when it's only one ball. And if you want to talk about guys who demand the ball in their hands, just take a look at R.J. Barrett. Take a look at Zion. R.J. Barrett was keeping the ball from Zion. R.J. not giving the ball to Zion is the reason they lost to Michigan State. I was there. Courtside. I saw it with my two eyes. They wouldn't be Michigan State if R.J. wasn't ball hogging. So if you think R.J. not giving the ball to Zion Williamson, or they definitely wasn't giving the ball to Cam Reddish. I'm sorry. So what, what can he be in the NBA? We'll see. But anytime Cam shows any flash, <laughs> anytime Cam goes out there and nonchalantly, casually puts up 15 points, 20 points, shoots six for six from the three-point range, shoots five for five, four for four, whatever. Anytime Cam has a good game, Wizards fans are going to look right back over at that bench and look at Rui and be like, do something. Hey, Rui, do something. And this is not me slandering Rui at at all. I'm just being honest. I was one of the people that thought Cam was the pick. You you drafted Rui for cultural reasons. You drafted Rui also for his ceiling. I feel that. I don't think Rui will ever be an all-star. I think Cam has all-star potential. I don't know if Rui has, but Rui has the potential to be a very good player in the league for a very long time. For a very long time. And I think Rui will do well. I mean, he doesn't make many mistakes. He's really raw, but he has the length. Is the height? He's already improved his defense, which was some something that people were knocking him on. And he can score the ball. If you see him playing in FIBA, he's working on his step back. He's getting more arc on his shot. He looks better. He, he's a better defender. He's getting more comfortable with his with his package. He's dribbling up the floor more effectively. He has more moves. He's developing as a player. He looks better now than he did in Vegas a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago. So I'm not trying to knock Rui at all, but I'm just saying it it would always be a conversation of Cam Reddish or Rui. Who's doing what and when? Because let's say Cam gets the spotlight a little faster than Rui does. Or Rui gets more time now than than Cam does. People will always look. Wizards fans especially will always pair these two. And even the national media. Because a lot of the national media was like, whoa. It's Cam Reddish right here. This guy actually should have gone higher, if we're being honest. And the Wizards, in the midst of having an interim GM, making this draft pick. After they just botched everything with with um who's my guy? Um Ah, who's my guy down in uh Denver? Dang, now I can't remember the name. But him and Masai. And I'm gonna remember it in like five minutes and spew it out lately. Y'all know me. Later on, I'm gonna say his name randomly and you're like, oh, there it is. It's a little late. But yeah, you had to botch. You didn't want to give him an extra year. Cool. Masai, you reportedly want to give him the world. He's not coming, cool. Then you got your your third prom date. Your third option, you had to make the draft. And ask me like, okay, well, not only did they have their interim GM make the draft pick, but they never met with the kid. It's always going to be something to watch. This is going to be something spicy to watch. Um, I see the potential in this game. I understand the culture fit, um, but I'm going to reserve my judgment for it. Was Rui a good pick or not? Until at least All Star break, and even then, and even then, he might get more PT after All Star break. And then he might be a way better player next year and take that jump in his sophomore season um, over what he did in his rookie season. It's a lot of factors, but we will always want to see what Rui is doing, how well he can perform, and is Cam Reddish doing anything close to it? That will always be attached to him for the rest of his career for the rest of his career the same way we look back at drive classes to see who were the names that came out and and who didn't pan out and who went over who and who drafted who before Kawhi and who took who over Giannis and things of that nature the same thing people do when they say wow they took Rui Hachimura over Cam Reddish or they said wow people really took Cam Reddish and Rui Hachimura was still in the draft so we'll see all right Storyline number four and number five, I swear they're not going to take as long as these other two or other three because, look, I get to rambling. I know me. I ain't been here in a long time. It's been a couple weeks. I thought I was going to come here last week, but I was doing some traveling, got my braces off and all that stuff. So uh, it's been a long time, but I'm glad to be back. So storyline number four, to tank or not to tank. So let's be realistic here, Wizards fans. Vegas has the over-under for the Wizards set at 27 and a half. Now, if the Wizards win 27 games, that would be their worst finish since 2011. I'm just going to be completely honest with you guys. The schedule came out last week. The Wizards' schedule is everything but friendly this season. And things could get ugly quickly. 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 The Wizards can't even play at home for the first four games. And then when they do come home, or is it three games? Whatever it is, when they do come home, they're playing the Houston Rockets? Russell Westbrook and James Harden? Regardless, if that dynamic is complete shambles and Dan Tony does not know what he's doing, regardless, I will take shambles of James Harden and Russell Westbrook over this Wizards front five, these top five, this starting five for the Wizards. I will take the worst version of Russell and James Harden over the starting five of the Wizards right now. And if you're not taking it, you got to be realistic, buddy. Come on, come on, <laughs> come on. This this schedule is brutal. It's brutal the nbc sports watching you know shameless plug here go watch that go listen to that live podcast it's on spotify and apple music wherever you listen to your podcast or go go on to my team's app and rewatch that live show the schedule release that schedule is brutal not nice 27 wins a lot has to go right i would take the under i would take the under now people said last year oh well Kimball walker won 39 games without uh any help uh I would take the starting five that Kimball Walker had last year in Charlotte over this starting five this year. Now You go back and you look at that. Nicholas Batum. Now I'm not saying these guys are all-stars. I'm not saying that at all. Miles Business was pretty prom- promising, too. I'm not saying they're all-stars by any means. I'm not trying to make them seem like they're so much better than they were. But I'm just saying that's how bad the Wizards' starting five on paper looks right now compared to what Kimba was able to accomplish last year. So I don't think you can say, well, Bradley is alone. He can do the same thing Kimba did last year with the team he had. Well, if Bradley had the team he, he that Kimba Walker had last year, they might win more than 39 night games. Or maybe about the same. I think those players are really close in terms of their production. I like both of them. But, yeah. So to tank or not to tank. Now, there are some optimists out there. I see you. I think I was tweeting about the Wizards last, or maybe a month ago, and some guy that writes for Wizard of Oz, he he, he crushed me, y'all. I got to admit, I took the L. He said, this team can win 40 games this year and be in the playoffs. I said, wow, you're bold. You're bold, buddy. He also told me that his basketball IQ was higher than mine, and I cried myself to sleep. I did. Twitter just, it hurts me like that when people tell me those things. And um, he also told me he gets paid for what he does. And I, I, I don't, obviously. So shout out to you. Shout out to you. I'm crying for the podcast. Listen, if you can't hear me. I'm crying. These are tears. Now, for those optimists, there's a lot of young guys that need to develop this season. There's a lot of young guys that need to develop this season. And one thing that we know for sure is that young players don't win games. Troy Brown and Roy Hodge Thomas Bryant playing 40, 35, 30, 27 minutes a game as starters does not win you games in the NBA. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But these guys need to develop. So it's pick your poison. Do you want this team to win these games and and sneak into the playoffs like the Wizards always aim to do? Or do you want to just say, look, we're going to put these young guys out there, play all the minutes you can. Let's not let's try to get wins, but I mean it's apparent. These are there are uh, most of the other teams in the league have a better constructed team than you do. The over-under, I think in Vegas, the Wizards have the second or the third lowest. Uh, the only two lowest, only two teams lower than the Wizards and over-under this year. I think it's the Knicks are at 26 games. And maybe Memphis is at 27 as well. Something like that. But it's other teams out here that are gonna compete that are going to put their best effort out there to smash the Wizards every single night, and they don't have to worry about John Wall. They All they have to do is key on Bradley Bill. They're going to let Isaiah Thomas, whatever he wants to do, if he, if he can score, they're going to let him do his thing, but on defense, they're just going to go at him, and that'll be that. So let's be honest here. Get these young guys some minutes, but you're probably not going to get many wins, but you do want to see your guys develop. Now, in order to win, Bill will most likely have to play yet another season with an obnoxious minutes per game total, which isn't necessarily good business for either parties involved. Honestly, like, Bill, okay, we know you're good. We know you're good, but we got to run it back. We got to run it back. And I'm not going to strain Bradley Bill for 30-plus minutes per game just to say he played all 82 or he gave it his all. Or it's not necessary. It's just not. Because now you have to look forward for your franchise. What if Bill does want out? What if Bill doesn't want out? I mean, does one out. What if he's like, okay, I'm gone and that and that just happens? What you have to do is this team has to build and look to the future past wall and build. Wall may not return to a level that is serviceable. It's a pretty big injury. And with an Achilles injury, that leaves room for other injuries like hamstring injuries other injuries you're healed your bones he's still his bone spurs it's a lot of things that can go wrong and it's a lot of things that can go right so i'm not going to sit here and play devil's advocate but yeah i kind of am so if wall can't return to form and bill it, he's out you want to be able to say okay well the year that we kind of transitioned into we want to run it back one more year with wall and bill we kind of took the l because we needed some picks just in case things go wrong with wall in case bill wants to you know we have to trade him our hand is forced we have to give him up we at least we have a Cole Anthony here that can start things um, start things off you know what I'm saying just a top tier prospect that can help this team win past the wall and bear you got to start building four or five you got to look you got to look ahead because you can't just keep putting all your eggs in this John Wall and Bradley Bill basket because right now that basket is looking pretty rickety there's holes in the basket now yes they're trying to patch it up trying to straw and string it back together but that basket is looking pretty trash right now pretty trash so, uh, yep, I think my final point on that was, like, Bill shouldn't be dealing with this. We need we need him next year for John Wall, and let's also get the most talented rookie to pair behind this tandem and for the future if we do not have to move on from the two. Yep, yeah, y'all got the point. Y'all got the point. Finally, storyline number five, Scott Brooks on the hot seat. Now, look, you guys know me. I keep it 100. I keep it 100, and I've gotten killed for it. I remember when I did this podcast last year. When I first joined the podcast, I was told I can't be critical of the team. I can't be critical of the front office. I can't be critical of this coaching staff. I can't be critical of the players. And I saw I got those instructions. And by the second episode, I was critical of the front office. I was critical of the players. I was critical of everything. I just can't. I can't fake it. I can't. I keep it 100 all the time. You'll follow me on Twitter at TOKM underscore shameless plug. Y'all know me. I keep it a stack. Me and Scott Brooks and my criticism of him have not been the best. Have not been the best. Now I think he's a great guy. I think he cares about his players. I think players see that they that he cares about them. While I'm looking at Basketball Reference, random his his nickname Scott Brooks is Wonder Dog. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting stuff. But you know my my criticism of him has not been the best. I feel as though. He's sometimes unrealistic in his pursuit of an offense and also his defensive philosophies. For example, let's take more threes. That's where the NBA is going. Okay. I understand. (laughs) However, (laughs) you have to get better looks. Let's be more efficient from three-point range. Let's draw better plays and run better sets that get our best three-point shooters open and in position to knock down shots. Let's not just shoot more threes because that's what we're supposed to do. Let's 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 do this in a better way. Scott Brooks has never been an X and O's coach. I tell this story all the time. I remember last year? I went back and read some articles from back when Scott Brooks was the coach of Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden and Kevin Durant. And I think it was um, an article done, I can't remember the author, <clears throat> saying, here are the top five things Brooks does well and the things he does poorly. And I think number one or one of the things that he does well, is he's a motivator and, and he's a player's coach. And then when you look on the negative side of things he doesn't do well, he not really philosoph- he doesn't really have a philosophy. Running fast and getting out on the fast break and shooting more threes, that's not really a philosophy. He's not really a strategic X, X and O quarterback. Quarterback, I said X o. He's not a strategic X and O coach. And I'm not saying you have to kill guys with analytics and things of that nature, but I just think out of most coaches that are, that are really hell-bent on getting the most out of their offense, Brooks is a guy who does not implement play calling well To his offense, he's like it's his version of a freelance offense. Is I don't don't even think the players really respect it. I I I just can't. I watched the Wizards play Golden State, and this is these are two drastics, two ends of the spectrum. I remember when Curry went for like 50 on the Wizards last year. That offense, oh my gosh, Steve Kerr built a beautiful offense. Now it's of course I'm I'm kind of I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna double back and kind of destroy my point earlier of like talent makes your offense and your coaching look well, look well. But the freelance, free moving motion of that offense when the ball is getting, we put that ball in the post and everybody runs, everybody's sprinting, nobody's ever standing still, nobody's ever watching. Just even when even when you wanna watch, um, even when you wanna watch Milwaukee. Even when you want to watch the Raptors, Nick Nurse, had he had a few, ten, a few plays or a few games last year. Well, he can still play, call plays. I just have some things that I criticize in terms of his situational play calls. But it's just, it's the intangibles and the X's and O's that really stick out to me of some of these coaches. And when you watch the Wizards play, it's just like, they're kind of just out there. Like the, the defensive adjustment of like switching everything or going under and over. Last year, that was just, it was terrible. So I said all that to say this. Scott Brooks should be on the hot seat. And here's the thing. With $14 million remaining on Scott Brooks, he has two years, 14 mil left on his contract. Ted is not rushing to write off seven mil and charge that to the game. You know what I'm saying? Ted is not. He's not a guy that does that. That's just not his MO. He's going to stick it out. He's not just going to bite the bullet in most situations and pay that bread. Work it out. He believes in that. Hey, find a way. I paid you this money. I got you on the books for $14 million the next two years. Find a way. Find a way. And that's just Ted's M.O. But then you got to think about it like this. Most of the times, coaches lose their jobs in losing seasons. Coaches get scapegoated in losing years with losing teams. And when you don't have the best players, your team is not going to win. In most situations. Like the job in um, Indiana last year, when Victor Oladipo went down, that team still finished in the top four seed in the East. That's incredible. Or top five. Where did the Pacers finish last year? I know it was, they made the playoffs. And when Victor Oladipo went down, nobody thought they were making the playoffs. Nobody. So, it's it, you, it can be done. A good coaching job is important. But coaches get scapegoated in losing seasons. Now, let's say the Wizards did say, okay, we're gonna bite the bullet run off a seven million dollar contract or uh, seven million dollar check and say, okay, go ahead, and next year we're gonna go into this 2020-21 and look for a head coach. How does that work? Like this is a make or break year for Bill and Wall. More importantly, Bill, because Bill's contract is about to be up. How do you how do you navigate that wall Bill dynamic with a brand new coach? That's something you gotta ask yourself. Because is, it, is Bill going to be more inclined to come back with a new coach? Or is he does he want to run it back with Scott Brooks? Who knows? Who knows? So we'll see. Scott Brooks has 124 and 122 all-time record with the Wizards. And I don't see that improving in the right direction this year. I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. So those are my top five storylines of the Washington Wizards. The 2019-2020 NBA season. If you enjoyed this podcast, like I said, make sure you leave your boy a like on Instagram. said a like on Instagram. Make sure you leave your boy a like on YouTube. Also, subscribe on YouTube. Share this podcast with your friends and your D.C. family. Also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you can follow on Spotify. You can subscribe on Apple. Leave a review. Leave a five-star rating. And uh, man, follow me on Twitter at TealKim underscore, and you can follow me on Instagram at the same handle. I love, I love the interaction. Y'all that already follow me know how, how much I love to interact, how, love, how much I love to push out Wizards content to kind of feel the waters in terms of what you guys are thinking, just to talk with you guys. And I got something really special coming up for the Wizards to begin the season. So make sure you stick Close. You're gonna to want to be a part of this. This is something really big, and I got two of my other pillars in the DC family community. We're gonna to come together, and we're gonna do something really dope, really dope for the season coming up. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But without further ado, <clears throat> me 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 DC, DC family. family, I'm out of here.